0: Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. We're glad you joined us for another session of Scripture Searching. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to investigate the Scriptures with us as we consider Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. We were saying last time that God has an overarching plan in motion, in process, on this earth. From the very beginning, God established man to be his king, his representative king, to rule over the creation. The disaster that happened in those early chapters of Genesis was that man failed dismally to carry out that God-given task. God, in fact, had instructed man to obey him, to eat only of those trees that God permitted. But under the blandishments and the cunning scheme of the devil, Man and woman were lured into disobedience. Now, the story of the Bible is an unfolding drama by which God intends to reassert his kingly authority on this earth through his chosen agent, Jesus Christ, and those of all ages who follow him. It's essential to get the big picture before we tackle serious Bible study. And the big picture is simply this. God founded the kingdom of God in the Garden of Eden and placed man as his vice-regent to supervise the earth that God had created. Now that kingdom of God was dramatically disrupted. After having been very good, it became chaotic. That disruption was caused by the intervention of the devil and the weakness of man in selling out to the devil's plan. From the beginning, however, God had a plan to reverse the tragedy caused by man's failure to obey him. God is intending to restore that kingdom. It was founded in Adam and Eve. It was disrupted by the intervention of the devil and it will be restored when God intervenes to reverse human history once and for all to change the nature of the way in which human governments operate and to establish peace and prosperity on this earth with Jesus, the chosen Messiah, ruling in a new headquarters of the kingdom of God in Jerusalem on this planet. That, in brief summary, is the story and the drama being unfolded in the pages of the Bible. Every detail of the Bible fits into that great overarching plan. As someone has written, the theme of the kingdom of God is like a great arch, which stretches from the first to the last chapters of the Bible. All other elements of God's scriptures must find their place under that great arch of the kingdom. Every one of us, whether we like it or not, is involved in this unfolding drama. We are all of us caught in the middle of a great struggle between the devil and the counterclaims of Jesus Christ the Messiah. Jesus calls out to us with his summons, given first of all in Mark chapter 1 14 15 that the kingdom of God is at hand and that we should repent change our minds and our lives and believe in that gospel of the kingdom of God that's to say believe in the plan that God has for the world and for us as individuals the gospel as Jesus preached it is an invitation to be part of that restored kingdom of God on the earth when Jesus returns The objective and the great goal that Jesus laid before his followers was to inherit or to enter the kingdom of God when he comes back. Jesus never suggested that a person was going to go to heaven. That's not the way he describes the great goal of the Christian life. No, he invites people to inherit the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of God. That's the language of Jesus. Why don't we follow his language if we claim to be his followers? Jesus, you will find if you investigate the Bible carefully, never offered anybody a place in heaven as a location removed from this earth. No, the very opposite is true. Blessed are the meek, he says, they're going to inherit the earth. They're going to inherit the kingdom of God, that is, or they're going to inherit eternal life. May I let you in on a little secret here? Our translations are less than accurate with that phrase, eternal or everlasting life. The phrase actually means, in its Jewish context, the life of the age to come. That's to say, the life of the coming kingdom. What Jesus offers his followers is participation in that coming age of the kingdom of God. And so the expression, inherit the earth, inherit the kingdom of God, or inherit the life of the age to come, mistranslated really as everlasting or eternal life, that's the way Jesus sets up the great objective that we as Christians are to strive for in the present life. Now, the expression life of the age to come comes right out of the Hebrew Bible that nurtured Jesus from childhood. There in Daniel 12, verse 2, we have the famous expression everlasting life, which, if translated accurately in its Hebrew environment and context, means the life of the age to come. The life, that is to say, of the kingdom the Messiah's kingdom to be established on this earth when Jesus returns in power and glory to set up his government, his world government in Jerusalem on this planet. Do you remember those extraordinary words that Jesus gave to the church in Thyatira in the book of Revelation? He said this, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter he will dash them to pieces like pottery just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give him the morning star. You'll find that in Revelation chapter 2, verses 26 to 28. And what we hear in those words are echoes of the tragedy that befell Adam in the early chapters of Genesis. Do you remember that Adam was invited to rule the world and obviously he failed. And now Jesus then as the second Adam invites his followers to rule the world with him in a successful world government to be established by Jesus himself at his return. Didn't Jesus promise exactly that same thing to the apostles at the Last Supper? Do you remember that he said in Luke 22, verses 28 to 30, Just as my Father has covenanted with me to give me a kingdom, so I covenant with you to give you a kingdom, and you will sit on thrones to administer the twelve tribes of Israel. There you have the reversal of the tragedy in Adam. There you have the coming to fruition of God's great plan, the kingdom of God plan, operation kingdom, if you like, to restore sound government to this earth. That was God's intention from the beginning and it remains his intention to this day. The only question is, will we be part of that great operation kingdom? Will we prepare now to rule with Christ on the earth when he returns. Look at Revelation 5, verse 10. There Jesus says that his whole operation consists of calling men from every nation and tribe and people on the earth, forming them into a kingdom, a kingdom in training that is now, and they shall rule as kings upon the earth. Blessed are the meek, they're going to inherit the earth. You hear how those two verses interlock perfectly. And they reflect the great overarching plan that God has had and which he's been working out from the start and which he will bring to completion by sending his son back to establish that kingdom of God. The kingdom, in fact, for which we pray, Thy kingdom come. We want to suggest that you try that kingdom idea as a key to unlock the treasures of the Bible. Do you remember that Jesus reproached the leaders of his own time by saying that they had shut off the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, from the people. And in the parallel passage in Luke, chapter 11, verse 52, he said, Woe to you theologians, you Bible scholars, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. That verse is parallel to the other one in Matthew 23, verse 13, where the professional scholars of the Bible were charged with having closed off the kingdom of heaven from the people. You see, those scholars of the day were responsible for bringing to the people the knowledge that would give them entrance into the kingdom of God. Jesus reproached them for having blocked that entrance to the kingdom of God instead of encouraging it. It was the professional students of the Bible who were supposed to show the people how they could gain access to the kingdom of God and so fulfill the destiny that God had planned for each of us. May I spend the rest of the time today showing you some of the basic texts in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible which laid the groundwork for the kingdom of God idea which so preoccupied Jesus and was the heart of his own gospel. Back in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 18, we have a magnificent prophecy of the end times, the time when the kingdom of God is going to be established on the earth. We read this, You, God, will bring the people and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. And verse 18, The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Now, the Jewish people, when they read that passage, commented on it as follows. They said that the expression, The Lord shall reign forever and ever, means the kingdom of God will be revealed. So that was what the kingdom of God meant to Jesus' Jewish audience. They knew from the scriptures that the time was coming when God would rule in the future forever and ever. It will make perfect sense to you then that when you come to the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 15, we read that the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign for ever and ever. May I mention one other occurrence of the idea of the kingdom of God in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament? In Isaiah 24, verse 23, we read that the moon will be abashed and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. His glory will be before his elders. And the Jewish commentators again, reading this passage about God coming to reign, said, this is the time when the kingdom of God will be revealed. There can be little doubt then that when Jesus came into Galilee, opening his gospel preaching, by summoning the people to believe in the gospel of the kingdom, his audience knew indeed what he meant. It was a proclamation an announcement in advance of that great time coming when God would re-establish and restore the kingdom which had been lost at the time of the Garden of Eden in the beginning of Genesis. That's the essence of God's plan, and that we think is the key which will unravel the mysteries of the Bible for you and make it accessible and a joy to read. The Bible, you see, is the very word of God to us his own creative activity impacting us, changing us and developing in us that character which will lead to us attaining a position in the great kingdom of God which Jesus announced. And that in fact will be the fulfillment of God's plan from the beginning. He intended Adam to rule the world. Adam failed. And so now God is developing in other human beings, Jesus Christ being the pioneer of all this, suitable rulers for the coming kingdom. In Isaiah chapter 31, verse 4, we have another picture of the coming kingdom of God. We read this, So will the Lord of hosts come down to wage war on Mount Zion and on its hill. And the traditional Jewish understanding of that event was that it would be the revelation of the kingdom of God on earth. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to look up the verses we've been referring to in their context in your own Bible. Remember that Jesus was a Jew whose teaching must be understood in his own first century context. Join us again as we continue to probe these vital questions about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.